Welcome to the Gordon Asset Management Podcast, a show for savers, investors, and entrepreneurs, helping you to stay informed, invest wisely, and achieve the unimaginable. Now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Gordon Asset Management Podcast. Uh, this is Todd Zempel, and I have with me Joe Gordon and Glenn Moore uh, for the presentation today. Uh, first thing, let's cover the coronavirus update. Uh, so current U.S. hospitalizations are sitting at around 121,000. Uh, cases per day, about 162,000. Deaths per day, right about 1,500. Uh, for those following along, you can see the chart uh, going back to uh, October 1st. Obviously, this is trending in the wrong direction. The big fear is that we're going to see a uh, second wave uh, with all the uh, folks going home for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and the new year. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. The good news is that the vaccines have rolled out. The inoculation has begun. Uh, the chart we have on the screen today shows that uh, if all the projected vaccine production for 2021 uh, is actually optimally distributed. Uh, it should be sufficient enough to inoculate about 85% of the world's population. So that that is extremely positive news. Um, and you can see for those following along the uh, different companies and in, in how much of the vaccine that they're committed to producing, uh, AstraZeneca being the big the big one. Uh, followed by Novavax and, and others. So that's good news on, on the COVID front. Um, more good news on the COVID front is this past weekend, Trump signed uh, 2.3 trillion, uh, the 2.3 trillion relief and funding bill. Uh, so that's both COVID relief as well as funding to keep the government running. Uh, and that included the th- extension of $300 per week unemployment enhancement, quote unquote. Uh, it reopens the PPP uh, to, to uh, certain companies that had suffered uh, losses, gives $15 billion in grants to live venues. Uh, so for, I, I don't know if that's going to go to the bars or just, you know, people, uh, Madison Square Gardens. I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, there's also some funding for schools, child care, rental assistance, nutrition assistance, vaccine and hospital funding, and all the pork that you can handle, baby. Uh, and there's 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 a lot of information on that. You guys hear any interesting stories about some of the pork? Well, Senator Rand Paul has probably been uh, one of one of a handful of outspoken politicians uh, about it, and he covered the the range from ten million and. Uh, uh, gender uh, training or funding for Pakistan to uh, $500 million apparently for uh, the Iron Dome Israeli defense system. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's all over the place. Um, Glenn? No, I, I haven't heard too much. But to me, what, what would be interesting is to look at um, where other developed countries and how they've handled their unemployment assistance and um, – Look at at what the uh, you know so called pork that has been included in those. I know a big criticism of the U.S. is that um, there there wasn't more action done sooner to help people that are not working and and don't have a uh, ma- way to make a living, uh, and that you know the other developed countries did a lot more a lot sooner. 
Um, but it seems like the big hangup were, were, especially this go around, was some of the uh, unrelated uh, expenses that were in this bill, as well as I know that the um, liability protections was another one that was a, a fairly big hangup. So um, th- that would be an interesting thing to look at to me is, is what was, you know, kind of a clean line item uh uh, help that was done versus what the U.S. ended up doing. One positive thing is about the extension of PPP was that uh, it is going to be targeted this time uh, primarily at businesses that have had significant revenue loss. Think anyone in hospitality, restaurants, bars, uh, gyms, uh, movie theaters, etc. And uh, also good news for those that got a PPP loan the first time is by statute they are saying that all the Expenses taken with those funds, even if the, uh, the the loan is forgiven, are deductible in 2020. So that is very good news because uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty there. The IRS had been issuing a different view about every other week, and people were thoroughly confused. And when your accountants are confused about what to do, that's not a good sign. Yeah, you know, and I've been thinking about the the title for our year-end review letter to clients that uh, that we're going to produce and trying to come up with a, a good phrase that encapsulates everything that happened this year. And, um, you know, I was kind of thinking something along the lines of monetary manna and the fiscal inoculum, because uh, it, it seems to me that, you know, this year it's been, oh, my, you know, just crazy amounts of money just produced uh, out of thin air. Uh, this this is the modern monetary theory. I mean, this is just creating new money uh, out of thin air to fund pet projects and, and 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 put money into people's pockets. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the dollar is responding as you might expect with an extra two point three trillion of money printing, with one point four trillion of it having nothing to do with COVID relief. Is the dollar's weakening globally against all, almost all currencies? I said except the uh, Argentina peso. Uh, which they have their own uh, problems down there. And that is a good sign if you're invested in emerging markets and generally outside the U.S. and developed markets uh, for total returns. Moving on to the international market recap. Well, looking at uh, last week uh, and looking at month to date, the developed markets, EV, Europe, Australia, Far East, Index up 3.9 month to date to bring it to four, just under 5% year to date. The emerging markets up 3.92 month to date. They're up 12.35% year to date, which is unbelievable when you trace where they were back in April of this year. And then global bonds uh, up about a point uh, uh, in uh, the month of December, month uh, year to date uh, up 8.63%. Uh, percent. U.S. markets, we've got this t- two, uh, a bifurcated market, uh, big tech and everything else, and uh, or you could say Wall Street versus Main Street. But the S&P uh, month-to-date is up over 3%, bringing the year-to-date return to just under 16%. Who would have thunk when it was down 33%, peaked a trough back in uh, March and April? NASDAQ up 4.65 month-to-date to bring it up to 47% year-to-date. And that is just unbelievable. That is crazy. Uh but it is what it is. The Russell 2000 has been, continued to rally up under just under 10% uh, month to date. And its total return now is 19.65 year to date again uh, for most of the year until September. Small caps were negative and had not done a thing. 
And then overall, bonds were down a little bit uh, last week, and the year-to-date return in the Barclays Aggregate Index is 7.32. And this is the first podcast of the year where – uh, the Russells actually outperformed the S and P year to date, guys. Now, that is worth noting. That, that is that. worth noting, although it's selling off a little today. So, equal weight versus cap weight. Um, you know, we've looked at this as sort of an indicator of a rotation. And again, when you look at the Russell two thousand uh, change, the pink. If you're watching this, the pink dot. Uh, is showing uh, basically since October 1st, so really this quarter for the most part, we're not in the end of the year's two days away, uh, up 32%. So that's where the huge run started. It really began a little bit in September, but it was mostly this quarter. Uh, so there's the Russell 2000. If you look at NASDAQ, the orange, uh, on an equal weight basis, up 1554 And uh, and if you look at the re- regular NASDAQ market cap-weighted index, which is sort of the purple, is up less than that, around 12.44. And that's the thing, same thing with the S&P. What we've noticed happening is since all the stocks went parabolic and tech and everything at the end of August, uh, since September, pretty much there has been a rotation away from the most loved stocks uh, to uh, other market participants in these indexes pulling their weight. Uh, so what we have on the screen for those following along is a fund manager uh, survey by Bank of America that shows just incredible sentiment amongst fund, fund managers uh, in small caps, you know, which we've talked about, up 32% quarter to date. Um, you can see if you're following along, this is just, you know, going back to 2006, this is a reading that's completely off the charts. So fund managers continue to be bullish uh, despite the, the strong run that we've had quarter to date. Um, also, another a slide for those following along, inflation-friendly ETFs. So those in industrials, materials, real estate, commodities, tips, inflation-protected bonds – uh, have just seen a massive inflow. So people are uh, both retail investors and institutional investors are uh, potentially sniffing out some inflation uh, and investing accordingly. So uh, that is interesting to note that. And hey, I guess when you expand this money monetary supply by 25%, what, well, what do you expect, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, feels like Zimbabwe. <laughs> It's also why Bitcoin's uh, been on a tear as well. Uh, all-time highs in Bitcoin. Uh, a lot of talk about institutional money managers uh, and pension funds allocating more money into Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. Yeah, it, it's worth noting on, on sectors like real estate and hard assets, especially real estate, many people uh, on the call still have a perception that uh, owning a house is a great investment. But the only time it really was a great investment was the last time we had massive inflation, which was really beginning in the late 60s, but virtually all of the 70s uh, with two oil shocks and wage and price controls under Nixon, et cetera. And then uh, uh, to the point that Paul Volcker infamously was hired by Jimmy Carter uh, to run the Federal Reserve and to stamp out inflation. So you see tips moving on this anticipatory uh, higher rate inflationary uh, trap that we're entering suppo- supposedly and uh, following with it are hard assets. So, uh, you know, copper's uh, uh, roaring again. China's opening. Their manufacturing's doing well. Exports are up. 
uh, hardly a beat uh, year over year. And uh, But generally, real estate was clobbered early in the year because of the shutdown and people not having to pay rent. And, uh, and now uh, REITs have recovered significantly. But when you look at TIPS as a leading indicator, Treasury Inflation Protection Securities, uh, TIPS are up uh, over 10% or so this year, which tells you that, yeah, that there seems like the inflation cat may be out of the barn. We'll, we'll see. U.S. employment. So continuing claims for unemployment fell by 170,000 uh, in the month of December to around 5.4 million. Uh, initial claims also uh, fell a little bit by 69,000 to 800,000 or so. Uh, and again, we're sitting at about 6.7% unemployment down from about 147 at the high. Uh, the Fed has come out and said that, uh, well, just reinforced the fact that uh, part of their mandate is to see full uh, employment in, in the market, which again signals easy, easy money policy until we get uh, back to full employment. It's not in this data here, but it's worth noting that in some states, inflation rate, I mean, the unemployment rate is less than 4%. Think Florida. In other states that are almost completely shut down, like New York and California, the unemployment rate's north of 10%. So averages can be deceiving. Uh, uh, areas of the country, states that are open up and also don't have a COVID spike necessarily any worse than anyone, uh, Florida, they seem to be doing fine. Whereas uh, a lot of the press arguments you see people on all the talk shows is that even in states with shutdowns completely in California, they're seeing massive spikes in COVID cases, which basically says shutting down doesn't accomplish the intended uh, result. One other thing, too, I think just to put this into context, is um, w when you look at that last chart and you look at continuing claims still north of 800,000 uh, people per week, uh, the worst that it ever got in 2008 and 2009 uh, was 600,000, and that was for maybe a week or two. And we have now had north of 800,000 unemployment claims on a weekly basis Uh basically for the past nine months. Um, and so this is what's been so challenging from an investment standpoint uh, is that you, you have an economic backdrop where the labor situation is, is far and above worse than what it was in 2008, 2009. It's really not even uh, close to, to how bad it was or it's been this year versus what it was in 2008, 2009. And yet here we are, we have, uh, you know, tech stocks uh, indicated by the NASDAQ are up 47%. The S&P is up 15%. And small caps are now um, participating in the rally as well. And so it, it really just um, sometimes is, is kind of very mind-boggling to see what the real economy is and in, in the, the situation that it's in versus what the stock market has done. And so that that is that's just one thing I think that we um, or not a lot of people really I think know is is how bad the labor situation is in this country, um, based on other historical periods of time where we've had uh, some economic stress. It's 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 far and above worse worse than it's ever been. Yeah, and and so some of the areas where we're seeing the. Um Worst employment situation is in small businesses, uh, and so for those following along, you can see, see the chart. Um, we're 
uh, off the highs, so to speak, in the recovery and small business employment and, and, and headed back towards where we were in, in the June time frame. Uh, so that is very negative uh, for small business. And, and Glenn, to your point, uh, here's another great chart that shows spending by the unemployed returning back to normal. Uh, so <laughs> this chart actually shows that the folks who were on an unemployment, receiving the enhanced benefits through unemployment, actually uh, increased their spending, uh, which, you know, makes sense. If you're making more on unemployment than when you weren't on unemployment, you're probably going to spend more, right? Uh, which is kind of crazy to, to, to think about that. And maybe that's part of the reason why the uh, stock market has done well while unemployment uh, remains murky at best. Uh, you know, these people had extra money in their pockets to go and spend. So, uh, so this is, again, modern monetary theory uh, in action for everybody. Uh, moving on, a, a, another sort of negative uh, metric. Uh, so Goldman Sachs puts out uh, this what they call it their current activity indicator, and, and basically it's a roll up of things like manufacturing, labor, consumer, and housing, all these kind of economic uh, measures. And uh, the December read actually ha has gone negative for the first time since April. Uh, so that's concerning to see. Um, I think that to some degree, this is uh, that effect from that prior slide where uh, those on unemployment uh, aren't spending as much as they were when they were getting the enhanced benefits. Uh, so that is negative to see that. Maybe maybe we'll start to see that uh, change a little bit with the uh, new COVID relief bill that well, was signed Well, and, and if, you, if you go back to that slide uh, very quickly, this is a, a, a percent annual change. And I think what, one of the things that, that we um, – anticipate going into the year and and one and the conversations that we've been having uh quite frequently is if you look at how bad the data was in January or not really January but more so February because that's technically when the BEA said that we were going into recession was in February February March specifically um you know we saw numbers that were just off the charts bad and um, a lot of data points which are measured on annual change year over year uh, with how bad things were in uh, February and March and April, um, I think there's going to be an, an, an opposite reaction on the upside in, uh, in 2021. And that's going to, I think, drive the economy and, and inflation um, relatively hot. And and where the problem is is going to you're, you're going to start to see is in the back half of the year, because of of the rebound numbers that we saw um, in you know in in the middle of the year once fiscal stimulus went out and and some of those spending numbers really took place, and so from a mathematical standpoint, things I think are going to look good in the beginning of the year just because of how awful things were at the beginning of this year. Um, so that that's just I think one thing to to point out. Um, it's not necessarily an indication of a healthy economy. It's just a mathematical anomaly that's going to happen. Good point. Uh, so things we're watching, you know, a couple of things that came off the list. Uh, so we took off market breadth because we were starting to see some breadth in the market. The small caps and unloved sectors are starting to uh, play catch up to some degree. Also, we took off the uh, bullet point on uh, more stimulus. We, we've got it. Uh, so, Joe, why don't you cover what, what are some of the things on your mind that we're, we're looking at? 
Uh, well, I'm not going to mention the elections in Georgia for the two Senate seats because you can't, the 24-7 news cycle, that's all they're talking about everywhere. So I'm not going to go there. Uh, it seems to be pretty close, except I saw yesterday that uh, betting betting pools, whether in the U.K. or in Vegas, are basically calling it for the, the Republican senators uh, based on how money's been wagered. Um, of course, that didn't work out with Brexit. Um, uh, on 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 uh, memory, so we'll see. Uh, but really, earnings valuation metrics. I think that you know we've got a lot of mo momentum uh, that we'll see in the first half. Now you'll see the stimulus effect lifting up consumer stocks because people are spending, even if they're not working. Uh, there's back to the stay at home, collect an unemployment check, and if everybody gets two thousand uh, per person or four thousand per household for those that make under uh, uh, 150 or wherever the cutoff was last time, you know, that has uh, been passed by the House and it's actually already been telegraphed. It will be signed by the White House. So we'll see what the Senate does with it. I'm I'm not sure that's an easy layup, uh, but I'm really more interested in, uh, in market breadth and going into 2021 as far as real earnings and valuations uh, as other stocks participate in the recovery. And I also think that uh, you cannot be blind to the fact that if uh, the dollar continues its weakening position, you ought to be allocated outside the U.S., even though maybe 25 to 50 percent of your return is the currency, it's still worth allocating there. Investing out of the U.S. has been a crappy place to be for most of the of the year since 2008, 2009. I think it's been two good years. So that's to me. And I know, Glenn, I'll turn to you on uh, infrastructure, ESG and inflation because you're, you're the inflation hawk. Well, there, there's um, clearly there's a need for infrastructure um, spending, uh, regardless of who is going to be in the administration. I think that that the the fact of the matter is, is if we're ever going to convert to a, a, an economy that that is run more on electricity than on um, fossil fuels and carbon, um, there's going to need to be significant infrastructure improvement. And I think that uh, there's going to be some some uh, opportunities from an investing standpoint to take advantage of that. And that also kind of falls into the ESG bucket as well. Um, obviously, that that's a much cleaner way to uh, run and, and power a country versus the um, traditional fossil fuels and carbon um, and and that that also um, I think is 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 an inflation conversation as well, um, just because of of the amount of spending that's going to need to be done. Um, you know the inputs are probably going to be driven up just because of of simple supply and demand, and so that that's going to be um, uh, an interesting uh, dynamic that that goes into twenty twenty one and and beyond. Speaking to infrastructure, one thing I heard yesterday worth noting. Uh, uh, some commentator on TV asked the question, is it seems strange that a, a lone wolf or lone ranger in Nashville could detonate himself inside his RV, blow up half a city block, but more importantly, knock out all of the telecommunications in most of Tennessee, east through Knoxville, they had no 911, and into North Alabama. So how could one person acting alone totally blow up all the communications all over the place. That's what seemed you need to address that. That seems scary for sure. Well, folks, uh, on that lovely and positive note, we're going to wrap up this last podcast of 2020. 
Uh, so if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. You can visit our website, wealthqb.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks a lot, folks. We appreciate it. Have a great one. The information in this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Gordon Asset Management, LLC, its producers, hosts, or guests. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Gordon Asset Management, LLC, nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presenting on this podcast.